Hey, how's it going, everybody? Welcome back. Um, an evening stream, just for the hell of it. Just for the hell of it on a Wednesday. What is up? Um, so no particular topics at hand. Just pretty much winging it. Chicken winging it. But hopefully those of you guys out there that are celebrating St. Patty's Day, hopefully you guys are celebrating responsibly. And also, at the same time, are um, being safe out there. Above all else, just, you know, being safe is the most important thing that I'm going to tell anybody out there. So please, 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 please be responsible. Um, Get home safely, that type of thing. I'll definitely say that. Anyway, this is wanted to come on live and just kind of just hang out with people, see what everyone's up to this evening. You know, did a, did a daytime stream today, talked about a pretty serious topic. So I just kind of want to just bring the mood down just a little bit. And um, just hang out with everybody and see what's up, what's going on, how's life, how's things going, those types of things. Um, it has just been one crazy day so far. So uh, for me, not not too crazy. I mean, if you consider crazy being like where you um, binge watch episodes of Big Bang Theory, then <laughs> I guess it was crazy. But um Technically not. <coughs> Technically not crazy at all whatsoever. So, um, yeah. Well, was there some excitement today um, in the tech world? Semi-sort of. Possibly. Um, so, yeah. Uh, one of the things was actually published by Droid Life. They were... Um, Putting up this article, this article, Samsung will probably uh, uh, be skipping the new Galaxy Note phones this year. Uh, quite interesting. Quite interesting that they're even talking about that. What's up, Snape? What's going on, man? Um, I'm actually surprised that Samsung would, in fact, be ditching the uh, Note series for this year. I mean, there's probably a good, a lot of uh, a, a good, a good amount of argumentative points that were like, yeah, they should do it. You know. Um, then again, there are those people who are just like devout loyalists to the Galaxy Note series, just like there are those people who are devout loyalists to iPhones. You know, it's in that realm. We can spend all day bashing about it, but it doesn't change the fact that it's it's just the way it is. You know, so I'm kind of curious to know uh, how Galaxy Note users are going to feel about this. I mean, some would say the writing was on the wall when the Galaxy S21. Uh, Ultra had S Pen support, literally just uh, kneecapping the hell out of the Galaxy Note series. Um, so that's something that, you know, we could uh, <laughs> kind of like, I guess you can say is, uh, you know, the, the right analogy for it. Anyways, this was published by Droid Life. Droid Life coming to you guys with this article and talking about it appears that Samsung has made its decision and there won't be any new Galaxy Note phones in 2021. With a streamlining effort said to be in place, these the news. Or this news comes after months of rumors that Samsung was skipping a new Galaxy Note phone due to the Covini. Then another report that said they weren't going to skip it. This is this latest info comes right from Samsung's DJ Ko, the man in charge of everything Samsung Mobile. If he says if he says it. It's the real deal. (laughs) 
Okay. While streamlining a mobile lineup is a fine excuse, Coe actually dives a bit deeper into the reasoning. Speaking to shareholders at an annual meeting, Coe explains that it can be a lot of pressure on us to release two flagship models supporting the S Pen within a year. So the launch of the Galaxy Note series may not happen in the second half of this year, which is usually around around August. August usually seems to be the time that they would, um, you know, be doing this. So uh, no Galaxy Note this year. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll give my analysis of that that uh, that uh <laughs> that point of view here in a little bit. Um, yeah, so that doesn't mean that the Galaxy Note line is completely dead. He continued with, next year, the launch period of the Galaxy Note may be different than the past. We are trying to continue the series. The Galaxy Note series is an important category for us. Uh, DJ Co. isn't wrong, according to Droid Life. Samsung bringing support for the S Pen to the Galaxy S21 Ultra this year was a bit confusing, though. The implementation is clearly not as good as it is on the Galaxy Note phone. For the S21 Ultra, the S Pen is a separate purchase, and you need a special case to bring the stylus with you, unless you don't care about losing the thing. <laughs> Who's not going to care about losing that thing? It ain't cheap. Uh, the Note series has a built-in slot for the S Pen, making it still the only phone truly designed for it. I love the Note's. So this isn't cool, but maybe Samsung will make up for it by giving us a really sweet foldable device down the road. I'd be fine with that. Uh, this was written by, who is the author here? Tim at uh, Timotato. Hmm. Okay, that's a Twitter handle, I guess. Um, so this gets, <laughs> this is just a little bit funny. Okay, so um, let's let's just kind of like throw the obvious out there, right? Like a lot of people kind of had this idea, this expectation that the Galaxy Note series was going to go away. Uh, and then it just really seemed believable that the Galaxy Note series was going to poof, vamos, be gone, son of a bitch, just be gone. Uh, because they put S Pen support on the, on the Galaxy uh, S21 Ultra. And then they name a few key points there of, you know, first of all, the S Pen, you know, alongside the Galaxy S21 Ultra just wasn't a really good fit. Uh, it doesn't seem like it's well optimized to play with the S21 Ultra as, you know, it would be optimized for a Galaxy Note because the Galaxy Note is what debuted this S Pen. And yes, that is correct. But I don't see how that negates them bringing a Galaxy Note this year. Or even trying to possibly even merge a possible foldable Galaxy Note, the Galaxy Note Fold. Um, I think that would be a pretty neat thing to see Samsung do, which I'm pretty sure the geeks at Samsung already have thought about this. They probably already have it written up on some nice little board in some sort of developer's office who's like, you know, sole purpose is just to design hardware for Samsung. So they probably have this thing already like in mind. Okay, but this would be a great way to kind of push for that. I mean, what do I think Samsung did this for? Why did they even, you know, make S Pen support for the Galaxy S21 Ultra without actually making the S Pen to be carried by the S21 Ultra without the need of a special case to carry it? And the reason why that I say that is because, first of all, 
if they had made a special port for the S21 Ultra to um, to hold an S Pen in it, then would it really be called the S21 Ultra? A lot of people would actually be looking at it as a physical Galaxy Note because that is one of the trademarks of the Galaxy Note is to have a, a special slot for the S Pen. So even if it was called Galaxy S21 Ultra, if it had a if it had a special area to lock in the S Pen so the S Pen could be carried with it, everybody is going to call it a Galaxy Note. So my reasoning on why they made the S Pen like capable on the S21 Ultra without giving it a special place within the device itself to to carry and house the S Pen is because it, I feel like this kind of has to do with the reason why they took charger bricks out of the box. Now, people can argue about them trying to be eco-friendly and they're trying to go green, but let's cut the bullshit on it. You know, I'm a no bullshit type of guy. It's not green. Um, as a matter of fact, probably one of my favorite videos that I even watched on the subject um, pretty much gave a great explanation on how it's not green. And to summarize all this, so that way people just get to the point really quick on it, is that you are throwing away more trash, having to buy separate charger bricks for the device. Then everyone talks about, well, everybody's got a charging brick already. Everybody's got, yeah, everybody's got a charging brick. You know, um, charging brick, charging brick, right? Something like this for like, you know, like the iPhones don't have these anymore inside them, right? They don't have anything inside them. They just have a Type-C to Lightning port. But if you notice here, this is not a Type-C. This is not a Type-C connection. So you still have to buy a charger brick separately, okay? Yes, if you have this and a Lightning cable, you would be able to charge a newer iPhone. Just like if you have the Samsung charging brick and an old Samsung charger that's Type-C, you'd be able to charge an S21. Problem with that is is that, of course, obviously, the chargers were not meant to charge the S21 Ultra. Okay, so let's put that in realization right now. It was never meant to charge the S21 Ultra. You know what I mean? Newer hardware, newer hardware to fast charge even faster than its predecessor does not mean that the predecessor charger was specifically designed for what this newer device can do and its charging capabilities. So let's just kind of take that and just... Throw that out the window, okay? So you have a cable. You have to buy a charging brick. And if you buy a charging brick from Walmart or, you know, from Target or from Best Buy, okay, a couple of things you have to take in fact, uh, factor in is, one, the charging brick doesn't just come to you like this. No one is going to walk up to you and say, hi, yes, you need a charging brick for your, your, your S21 or you need one for your iPhone 12. Here you go. Here is the charging brick for you. Like, no, it's going to come in a box. Maybe it's going to come inside of a plastic tray molded to hold this thing in place while packaged. And that plastic tray is going to be inside of a box that is going to travel from said warehouse where they keep all these items at. And so that box is going to go inside of another box. And then that box is going to travel probably by truck, which uses gas. And so that's spewing pollution into the air, driving from point A to point B. And then that box that's carrying these boxes of these items in it is going to get to said destination where they're going to cut it open with a box cutter, 
They're going to stock the shelves. And what do you think they do with all the boxes? Well, yeah, of course, there's this machine that kind of like crushes all these cardboard boxes and compacts them so they could try to recycle them. But then you, the consumer, goes in and buys this charger that's inside of this package box that has a plastic molding inside of it that holds said charger brick and paper manuals and all that stuff. So you get home. You don't even really um, recycle because, come on, let's cut the shit, right? Everyone can get on here on social media and paint themselves in a limelight to say, hey, I'm eco-friendly, but not everyone does. I throw away trash, okay? I'll, I'll take a step forward and be that one that will say it. I throw away trash, you know? Someone could bash me for not recycling. I get it, but not everyone does. It doesn't cross people's minds every day. So you're going to buy that package. You're going to open it. You're going to get the charger brick, <laughs> And you basically have the plastic bag that carried the thing out of the store. You're going to have a paper receipt. You're going to have paper manuals. You're going to have a box that it came in and a plastic mold tray. And you're going to throw all that away. Where's the eco-friendliness in that instead of it coming in the box with the phone, with the charging cable, with the brochure booklets and all that other stuff. So you got to get like two different things to waste. (laughs) (laughs) and the odds are chances are that people are going to save the box to their phones more than they will save the box to something that they buy, like such as this to charge their phones. That package is going to get thrown away in the trash, but the, the box that the phone came in, especially if it's a galaxy S 21, because people know that there's a resale value over the next five years, you could sell an S 21 ultra two years, three years from now for possibly even still $400 and get $400 cash for it. And what makes it more enticing to people to buy it off you secondhand is when it has the box and all the goodies that came inside the box, because people like to buy it. They know it's used, but when they buy it, they have the box in their hand. It's like fooling other people to thinking it's brand new because they have the box. You wouldn't even know. Hey, Oscar, how's it going? You know, so, um, yeah, was, Taking the, you know, I don't know, I don't know, it's a pretty long synopsis there, but what isn't taking the charger out of the box making more trash and actually being more eco friendly? Yeah, it is. So it's not really an eco friendly decision. So to me, what I think what they're doing there is because they wanted to be able to sell additional items to make money, right? Because some people have slowed down on their passions for upgrading every year. Some people have already gone to the point where they're just like, look, I got this phone, I'm gonna hold on to it for the next two or three years until it completely drops. Like, I mean, they're going to ride this phone till the wheels fall off type of thing. And um, by doing so, um, the company still got to make money. Some people don't even feel like that spending over $1,000 on a flagship phone is even worth anything nowadays to do when you can get, you know, decent, good running devices for much less. So, yeah, I think the idea of making the S Pen compatible with the Galaxy S21 Ultra without giving it a dock within the device to dock the pen with, but you have to buy a special case to hold the S Pen, means that you're buying the S21 Ultra. So that's one thing you got to buy. You got to buy the special case for it that has a, a, a docking port for a Galaxy S Pen, which you also have to buy separately. So you're buying three things from Samsung um, just to be able to use the S the, the S Pen with the S21 Ultra. And even the more messed up thing about it is is that the s pen is not fully optimized with the galaxy s21 ultra so it's more about money the most tangible thing ever money 
And um, that's the reason why they're not going to get rid of the Galaxy Note series uh, is because if people catch on to that from jump, if people caught on to it and be like, oh, hell no, I'm not buying the S21 Ultra and I can care less about their S Pen, then they need to keep the Galaxy Note name alive so they can continue to market and sell said product. Because that is one of their biggest sellers, if not probably their biggest seller. Uh, the Galaxy S series, don't get me wrong, is hella huge. It is their main flagship. But when the Galaxy Note hit the market with the Galaxy Note that came out on AT&T, from that point on, a lot of people in the world have looked at the Galaxy Note as not only just a smartphone, but uh, they looked at it more like a, an everyday, day-to-day tool to help them be the most productive they can be with the Galaxy Note. And so the Galaxy Note has that has that on them, will always have that on them. And so, yeah, they don't want to say that they're trying to ditch the Galaxy Note. And all this, I feel like Samsung had done this decision because they wanted to see if they can remain profitable selling the S Pen separate and allowing the Galaxy S series to be optimized for the S Pen. And they can't make it too perfect because if someone sees through it, it can initially take away sales. So that's why this year, no one's getting a Galaxy Note. Next year, they said, they'll they'll bring it back because they're watching to see how the Galaxy S21 holds up with S Pen support. But I'm going to tell you right now, there are a lot of people who are smart enough to figure out that you're buying the phone then you got to buy a special case for it in order to use the S Pen because you can buy just a phone and the S Pen. But like they say, like they said in the article here from Droid Life, you risk losing the S Pen if you don't have a place to put it. You risk damaging the S Pen, like the tip of the S Pen, if you're just going to shove it in your pocket. And <laughs> so, you know, what makes sense, especially to those people who buy things and want to maintain it and want to make sure it's well taken care of, the only other way to really take care of that S Pen is to buy the said case that's specifically designed for the Galaxy S21 Ultra with a section on the case that stores the S Pen. Because again, they couldn't make the S Pen built in into the S21 Ultra or people would have just simply called it the Galaxy Note, right? They have to differentiate it from the Galaxy Note and try to market it and sell it piece by piece to make profit and hope that nobody catches on and calls them out on it. And that, hey, you know, that's that's the name of the game. If anyone looks at these companies and thinks of them as being like, they have to be forthright and honest and upfront and transparent with us, you are sadly mistaken. Samsung, like Google, like HTC, like Motorola, like Lenovo, like every other company is all in it for one thing, to make money. That's what they're there for, to make money. What's up, Blaze? Welcome in. Um, that's, that's all they intend to do is to make money and then that's it. Okay. If anyone disagrees with me, contact the, the CEO of Samsung and let them know that you're going through hard times and see if they go in to help you out. See if they pay some of your bills off. See if they put a roof, a roof over your head. If you've lost a place to live, guarantee you they're not because they're not interested in you as a person, just what you got in your wallet. Those, those plastic cards you can you can swipe or you can give the, the 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 information on them to them so they can charge it or the cash that you carry inside your wallet. That's all they care about. Nothing more. Nothing more. 
So, you know, we got to be realistic about these things. Um, so, yeah, it's very interesting to see this. But what could we expect from Samsung in the future? Well, first of all, more and, pe- more, and more people probably have already caught on to Samsung's BS, the same as Apple's BS about no charges in the box and selling additional accessories separately, pretending to be green, yet it is actually, you know, causing more pollution than being eco-friendly. Um, what can I see next year? Probably... Of course, the return of the Galaxy Note, but maybe a Galaxy Note Fold. So maybe two different Galaxy Notes. You know what I mean? Maybe they'll have the Galaxy Fold. Maybe they'll they'll bring it into like a Galaxy S Fold, you know, run it alongside the Galaxy S series and then have a foldable with an S Pen docked in it into the body of the phone and it being foldable and calling it the Galaxy Note Fold. That'd actually be pretty cool. Because a lot of things are starting to step into the foldable display, right? We can't ignore the fact that Google and the Pixel is working on a Pixel Fold with the help of Samsung. So there will be a foldable Pixel. There's still rumors that Apple is in the works of doing foldable technology too, but we know how Apple is. They're very tight-lipped on things, and they kind of run things sometimes a little bit later than other companies. But that's just because they want to be able to put this product out without it damaging their name. You know, the last thing Apple wants to do is put out a foldable iPhone and it's like half-ass sucks ass and it's going to tarnish the Apple name, you know, because, yeah, Apple just doesn't want that. If you look at the past, a lot of the problems, because, you know, iPhones, iPhones have had problems. iPhones have had, had some problems. Of course, they're not problems that everyday people are going to spot and see. I mean, you would really, really have to be looking for these things. There were like issues with iOS 7, and Chris Perillo was just constantly calling out Apple for it. Um, there were things that he's seen within the way that the operating system ran that other people were just left with their heads scratching like, Jesus Louise, man, what are you seeing? Because I'm not seeing this. You know what I mean? Um, and, you know, the stuff that he always talked about when it came to, uh, to the, uh, the iPhone you know, was with a lot of jank and stutter, um, you know, because iOS is supposed to be very fluid. That was one of the things that people always really talked about was the fluidity in iOS. And uh, yeah, with his eye, he spotted some problems. And therefore, from, from that point on, it's just always been like, it's always been like that with Chris Perillo. And he moved away from, from the iPhone and was trying out other different phones and landed on Pixels. And I think he's still currently using a Pixel right now, but that could change. <sighs> Uh, anyways, that could change. That could literally change, you know, because Chris Perlow is not, he's not the type of guy that is locked to a specific thing, you know, like he's not loyal to Google Pixels, just like, you know, he proved to a lot of people he wasn't loyal to the Apple iPhone. It's just during the time that he had iPhones, iPhones were the ones that worked best for what he wanted out of a smartphone. It wasn't until, you know, other things caught up and got better. And then he started to weigh his options. And then he kind of like tried out different phones and, Landed on the Google Pixels for a little bit. That could change. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, anyways, we'll, we'll, we'll see how that goes with foldable technology. I mean, it's still in its infancy. You know, there's still got a ways to go. Um, who knows? Who knows what the future holds with that? Um, oh, that's kind of crazy. So, anyways... <laughs> Uh, if you guys didn't know, Justin Long is under fire <laughs> for no longer being a Mac guy. 
uh, he used to do commercials about being a Matt guy, and now, now all of a sudden he's not. Type of twist to all this. So that's going to be kind of interesting here. Anyways, so I thought I thought I would read this article with you guys because I thought it was kind of funny. <laughs> it's kind of funny when I saw this. Like, come on now. Are we really going to be that petty about things? Uh, so this came from CNN Business. <laughs> uh, I want CNN Business to go away. Anyways, it says, uh, I'm a Matt guy. Actor Justin Long is now a PC guy. <laughs> you just love how they, like, e- even even people that are, like, in Hollywood lifestyle and stuff like that just get their lives thrown into the mix of all this. It's kind of, it's, it's quite intriguing, isn't it? Uh, it goes over here nearly two decades ago, Long uh, extolled the benefits of Mac computers while playing one opposite John Hodgman's PC in Apple's iconic Get a Mac commercials. Now an appointed jab at Apple, Long is featured in a new Intel. Oh, my God. <sighs> Don't mind me, I'm tired. Um, but Long is featured in a new Intel ad where he appears much more excited about new Intel-based PCs than the latest Mac laptops. <laughs> Quote, hello, I'm uh, Justin. <laughs> Just a real person doing real comparisons between Mac and PC, Long says in a new Intel commercial. And obvious plays on the hello, I'm a Mac intro to the old Apple ads. Wow, talking about throwing shade, <laughs> Justin Long. See, Justin Long, um, yeah, you can't play uh, tech warfare this way. And, th- and and trust me, those people who are just like diehard Mac fans are literally going to tell you this is the reason why the Creeper chose you instead of your sister at the end of Jeepers Creepers. <laughs> I can see people just making some sort of Jeepers Creepers reference to that. Like, that's why your eyes got took, because you blind the tech, boy. <laughs> bad joke, bad joke. Uh, anyways, it goes, these are all PCs, Long says, as he surveys a collection of laptops in the new ad. Oh, yeah, Intel, nice. My face just unlocked that. That's so cool. And I've never seen a screen like that on a laptop. Uh, He moves on to look at the Mac lineup. So these are the newer Macs. Okay, so gray and grayer. Ouch. I can already see this dialogue. The new commercials is the latest exchange of not-so-friendly fire between Intel and Apple in recent months. Last fall, Apple went from being an Intel customer to competitor when it replaced the uh, semiconductor giant's X86 chips with its own M1 chips in the new Mac lineup. Apple claimed its new chips make Macs significantly faster and quieter and gives them longer battery life compared to previous Mac models and rival laptops. Hey. I mean, the person that's going to know a lot about that is... Carlos. I believe Carlos has one of the new Macs with the M1 chip in it. In fact, reviving the theme of the old Apple ads uh, ads was the iPhone maker's idea. When it announced the new M1 Macs in November, Apple brought back Hodgman to again star as PC guy in a new ad. Hi, I'm a PC, Hodgman says. It is Apple November ad. (laughs) Is there time for questions? Good, because I have one. Why? Why make all these advancements? What's the point? Uh, Moves like Apple's to make its own chips pose a real threat to Intel. 
which has long relied on dominating the PC business. In recent years, Intel has lost shares in the PC market, among other challenges. And the company recently hired new CEO, um, Pat, Pat Gelsinger, to help write, this, uh, help write the ship. At an Intel staff meeting in January, after Gelsinger was named the incoming CEO, but before officially taking over the role, he told employees that the company has to deliver better products for PCs than anything. A lifestyle company in Cupertino makes a likely reference to Apple, according to the report from the or the or Oregonian or Oregonian or Oregonian, whatever, however they pronounce it. This is an Oregon thing. <laughs> so, um, wow, that is absolutely crazy. <laughs> I don't know a lot, you know, like like so much about the M1 chips. I obviously don't own a Mac. Uh, I own something much more cheaper than a Mac, and that is a Pixelbook Go, which I'm thoroughly happy with. Um, but for those people that do have the Mac M1s, can definitely tell you guys if if uh, Apple switching away from from the uh, the x86 chips that were uh, from Intel switching over to the Mac M1s was that a great move for Apple to do that on their part. I mean, me personally, Apple has been building computers for a long time. So I would expect this move for them to do this to be a good one for the company as them in-housing their own chips has seemed to work for the, uh, the iPhones and for the iPads. So why not design your own chips for your laptop's computing? It just makes sense to me. Never understood why they would they they went elsewhere for chipsets, but I mean, who knows? Uh, but it's just funny to see when when you know advertisement wars use guys like Justin Long to try and drive a nail into the opponent, hopefully staking them in the heart. Uh, when you know that it's furthest from that, it's, it's, it's not it's not even that at all. And that's the craziest thing ever. I mean, what what can we say? What can we say? You know what I mean? Um, so shout out to Justin Long for participating in this year's tech wars between <laughs> Intel and Apple. You silly guy, you. And uh, if Apple has some sort of rebuttal or if anyone out there seems to be offended by Justin Long siding with Intel on this and kind of like poking fun at, at you know Apple, we can pretty much count on a endless parade of the creeper ate your eyes, the creeper kidnapped you, Trish was smarter because she went with Mac. Someone's probably going to make a meme of Trish holding a MacBook and Justin Long holding a PC with the creeper trying to decide which one he's going to take. Someone's going to make reference to the reason why he still works at Shenanigans from the movie Waiting and <laughs> make reference to this is why you didn't amount to shit in life. There are endless... I'm already coming up with some for people. So there's endless parades of memes that can be made to Justin Long. Justin Long, just know that I am a true fan of your work, sir. I still thought that um, until today, still think that um, Ryan Reynolds was funnier. But anyways, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, I can go on with these. I can go on with these. I can talk about the reason, you know, this is the reason why you had to fake being in a college and make up a college, you know? <laughs> Who trusts a guy who created his own college and then graduated from it? Come on now. Okay. All right. Enough with the jabs at Justin Long because I don't, I don't dislike the guy. The guy's a really good actor. I like his, uh, his music, his movies. I like his movies. Uh, 
I do think that Ryan Reynolds was funnier in Waiting, but you know it was kind of funny. I don't know if you guys saw the movie Waiting Still, uh, which is part two of it. That takes place at a totally different shenanigans, different cast in there. Uh, a couple of people returning back from the original movie. And then at the end, Justin Long shows up <laughs> to talk to the store manager of that shenanigans. And it comes to find out that uh, Justin Long made a career in shenanigans by climbing up the corporate ladder. <laughs> and, you know, it's just, it is so sad. Um, anyways, yeah, good movies, good movies, very good movies. Um, let's switch tracks a little bit. Let's talk about Mortal Kombat because we are one month away for Mortal Kombat. Just remember, men and women defending their homes. I wish I had the little button thing to have it scream out Mortal Kombat. It is crazy the amount of information regarding Mortal Kombat, the uh, reboot movie. And the newest character to the franchise, Cole Young. A lot of people really making reference to Cole Young possibly being Chameleon. Um, who knows? I just seen like a couple of videos talking about it. Um, I'm actually going to find an article piece that was written about it. Uh, some people have like, you know. You know some 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 different perspectives on Cold Young. So, <laughs> oh man. Um, okay, so this was actually uh, written up by Inverse. They talk about Mortal Kombat, and um, yeah. So let's get this let's get this cracking, Captain. Um, okay, let's share this article here, and I'm just going to read a little bit about it that way because this will better explain the movie and why people think that it's it's uh it's chameleon. <laughs> uh, okay, so we'll kind of go down here. So, in Mortal Kombat, Tan stars as Cole Young, a washed-up MMA fighter whose dragon-shaped birthmark is his invitation into the Mortal Kombat tournament. Cole aligns himself with Earth's greatest fighters, including the Shaolin monk Liu Kang. Kung Lao, Lord Raiden, and Special Forces soldier Sonya Blade, and Jax, who entered the tournament to defend Earth from Shao Kong. While it's Liu Kang who is often the role of the heroic lead in this in the Mortal Kombat story, it is now Cole Young who acts as the audience's vehicle into the lore of Mortal Kombat. But on Reddit's fan theories, lifelong uh, user, which is... Uh, Anonymous 617. Anonymous? I think they meant to say anonymous. Replace that E with an A. Anyways, theorizes that Cole Young is secretly another Mortal Kombat character who still has a very sparse background story. Chameleon. Uh, so here's clues to Chameleon. So the first thing that struck me was his name. Cole Young uh, writes Anonymous 617, who says the name is too far afield from the Mortal Kombat monikers. It doesn't sound cool like Liu Kang or uh, you know, Strike Fear like Shang Tsung. It's just a name. Or is it? <laughs> As Anonymous 617 writes, what if Cole is short for Kamel? And then, so his name is Kamel Young. But if you say it, it starts to sound like Chameleon. 
<laughs> hiding in plain sight, just like when uh, he debuted in the video game. Because yes, right here it has a little picture. That character right there, that ninja, that's kind of transparent. That is um, Chameleon, which was in Mortal Kombat uh, trilogy for N64. Gene with a super chat. Thank you so much, Gene. I really appreciate that so much, man. Hopefully you're having a great St. Patty's Day. Hopefully. It should be. But anyways, yeah, so to make reference to this. <laughs> I like that. Well, if his name, Cole, was short for Kamel. Like, why would Cole be a short name for Kamel? Kamel Young. Chameleon. <laughs> I mean, I get the Kamel and then Young. Say it fast, and it's like Chameleon. Yeah, it does sound like Chameleon. But Cole to Kamel or Kamel doesn't. I don't. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> no idea to that. Uh, who is Chameleon in Mortal Kombat? Let's find out what they've gathered up here on this site called Inverse. Uh, they say, unless you're a hardcore Mortal Kombat fan, you've probably never heard of Chameleon. Well, I guess I am a hardcore Mortal Kombat fan because I know who Chameleon is. In his actual Immortal Kombat trilogy, they gave him a small backstory saying that his race is the opposing rival race to Reptile's race. So they are both at war. Kind of like, I don't know if you guys saw the movie Predators, where they had the big Predators and the, and the normal Predators that we're used to, and like the big ones hunt the small ones and other things, and there was like a blood feud between them. Think of them as the bigger ones are like wolves, and then the normal ones that we always see in Predator are like dogs. You know, they're closely related, but they're not really, like, you know, that type of thing. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, there's supposed to be like a blood feud between Chameleon and Reptile. So it says, like I said, it says here, unless you're a hardcore Mortal Kombat fan, you probably never heard of Chameleon. In fact, you're probably already confusing him with Reptile, a different character with rather similar characteristics. Both started out as secret characters. Both are named after lizard creatures, and both have the power to to um, imitate other characters. Actually, I beg to differ with that statement there. Uh, reptile is not a lizard. <laughs> it's a classification. Um, but you know, nice try for them. <laughs> you know, they think reptile, they think like a lizard, I guess. <clears throat> a chameleon is a lizard. And um actually in Hawaii we have the uh, three-horned chameleons. I like to call them the triceratops of Hawaii, but they are Jackson chameleons. They have three pointed horns on their foreheads, like triceratopses, but they're actual chameleons. In Hawaii, we like to catch them because you can like, if you go up to like this area called Tantless. There's like a lot of like, a, you know, I mean, it's a winding road that goes up the mountain, but there's a lot of uh, bushes and stuff like that, trees and everything up the mountain. <clears throat> they didn't completely demolish all the, the tree life up there for homes, even though there are homes up there. So you can't really see the houses. Mostly rich people live up there. They're secluded away from, you know, downtown Honolulu and stuff like that. But anyways, <coughs> um, they have Jackson Chameleons up on that mountain. You can catch one. And, like, one of the things was, like, you know, back in school, like, people used to bring them just for the hell of it. So, like, they would, like, have them, like, clip onto the shirt and just, like, walk around school. And they're, like, just hanging on their shirt. You know, you got to really look because they try to blend in with the color of, like, what they're surrounded by. Really, really neat thing. So, hey, RJ, what's going on, man? <laughs> um, so, yeah, you know, uh, chameleons are a lizard, but reptile is not a specific lizard. It's a classification. <laughs> and it's going into it, so they talk about them. Um so Chameleon is a lesser-known ninja with the least fleshed-out story and history in Mortal Kombat. Chameleon is 
an imitator ninja whose most unique trait is copying the power of the other Mortal Kombat ninjas, including Sub-Zero, Scorpion, Noob Saibot, Smoke, and more. I have to say more because uh, they didn't specify Ermac. <laughs> Um, I don't know. Well, I mean, yeah, the, the, the cyber Linquay is still considered ninja. So you have to consider Cyrax and sector, um, and frost, you know, the, uh, the, the female Linquay ninja who has sub zeros gifted abilities as well. Uh, you have to consider her. She is a ninja, but, um, after his first unofficial appearance in home versions of mortal Kombat three playable only with a game genie. Chameleon made his official debut in 1996's Mortal Kombat trilogy as a secret character. He was accessible by inputting a specific button sequence when selecting any of the game's ninjas. During gameplay, Chameleon changes colors as a palette swap while being able to use all of the signature moves of the characters of the character Chameleon briefly imitates. So like the ice throw, the you know, the kunai spear and you know, like um, reptiles acid spit. Uh, all that stuff. So it says, um, after strange, uh, after strange thing, uh, another strange thing about Chameleon is his unusual lack of a story. This is strange for Mortal Kombat, where even joke characters get an entire wiki, oh, an entire wiki page dedicated to them. Uh, unlike the other characters of Mortal Kombat trilogy, Chameleon doesn't get an ending screen in the story-driven arcade mode. Instead, the game just ends. However, one reward player gets to uh gets to select gets to select is a one-on-one fight with chameleon who is introduced as one of shao Kahn's deadliest warriors chameleon has also never had an official artwork released by the game's creators a google search for chameleon which kind of brought up the google search right now <laughs> brings up um only fan-made photoshopped artwork or screenshots from the video game uh, after Trilogy, Chameleon made one more playable appearance in 2006's Mortal Kombat Armageddon. Once again, the ending reveals very little about Chameleon except that he had been uh, ever ever present or ever present since Mortal Kombat, the first game. And he remained hidden from sight, waiting for his moment to come. Chameleon hasn't been playable in any Mortal Kombat games since, but has a cameo in the open world crypt of Mortal Kombat 11. So he has a small cameo there. Okay. While Cole, while Cole Young could be Chameleon, or why Cole Young could be Chameleon, aside from Anonymous 617's clever Cole Young, uh, Chameleon, Chameleon, a clue, the real possibility lies in who Cole Young is as a fighter. As a practitioner of mixed martial arts, a fighting style never before represented in the franchise, Cole Young inherently, uh, inherently somebody who studies, adopts, and adapts to other forms of martial arts. Uh, Anonymous 617 from Reddit further theorizes that Scorpion and Sub-Zero seem to be on the hunt for Cole because they want to know who is borrowing their moves. Um, having watched the trailer about a dozen times myself, there is no indication that Sub-Zero and Scorpion are on the hunt for Cole, though they do cross paths in the movie. Cole appears on screen with both Sub Zero and Scorpion in the trailer, and a blink and and in a blink, and um, in a blink, and you'll miss it in a moment. Okay, so it's like one of those really fast scenes in the trailer, uh, but that doesn't uh, invalidate the theory, as Cole could still have a deeper link to both characters, such as using their powers. Furthermore, as Chameleon is one of Shao Kahn's deadliest warriors, Cole Young could be 
a sleeper agent on Earth realm. It's not an impossible twist to imagine Chameleon being sent to Earth with his memories wiped while he lays low and then reactivated by Shao Kahn when it's time. It would be a gnarly twist on a character like Cole Young, someone with virtually no history otherwise and sounds like Chameleon. <laughs> that is an interesting theory that I wanted to share with everybody and just like, yeah, kind of just put that out there. And while I was reading that, I didn't really catch up with the comments. So uh, Dan, 5G Tech, hey, what's up? What's going on, man? And then we got Carlos in the building. Carlos says, what's up, y'all? How y'all doing this beautiful Wednesday night? Happy St. Patty's Day to both of you guys. Uh, appreciate you guys for stopping in. If you're still here, just you know, drop a like or whatever. But, you know, the Mortal Kombat movie is just getting... <laughs> Just getting uh, some really weird theories tossed around on Reddit, man. Some really, really, um, really weird theories. Uh, one of the things I do notice about Mortal Kombat, the movie, is the fact that I feel like it's actually doing pretty good as far as from what I'm seeing in the trailer already. So besides the fact that Cole Young is the main uh, protagonist in the movie and it's not Liu Kang, I'm open to that. I'm, I'm fine with that. As a matter of fact, I don't even say that. I think Cole Young is an interesting character to have in Mortal Kombat. And I think that, you know, because he, you know, he's a never before seen or heard of character in the Mortal Kombat universe that it looks like he's like the main protagonist because the the trailer kind of centers around him. You know, Sonya Blade's talking to him. They're talking about the birthmark he has that happens to actually be just an invitation to the greatest tournament ever, the Mortal Kombat tournament, um, which is held once a generation. But you know, just besides that, I mean, you do see Liu Kang in there, and uh, obviously he knows what he's doing. I mean, he has that one scene where he just kind of uses his abilities to cause a fire dragon to come up from a symbol when he hits the ground, and the fire spreads, and the dragon seems to form from that fire. Um, so we do see, you know, Liu Kang in there. We also see Kung Lao. And anyone that knows Mortal Kombat and has played the games and knows the backstories of these characters, we know that Liu Kang and Kung Lao don't really get along. Okay, they work together. They are they they do work together in some things. Baby Yoda, what's up, man? Appreciate you for being here. Um, they do work together on certain things. You know, obviously protecting Earth Realm is their biggest priority. They are they will put their egos aside. But Liu Kang and Kung Lao, they definitely have issues with each other. And obviously, Kung Lao, because he's a descendant of the great Kung Lao, the one who defeated Goro and, um, you know, stopped the initial evasions because of the rules of Mortal Kombat. In order for Shao Kahn to invade another realm, he must win 10 Mortal Kombat victories straight. 10 wins in a row, right? A tournament that's held once a generation, you got to win it 10 times. And when you do, the portals between both realms will open, allowing for you to pass through. So Shao Kahn, who, you know, for anyone that knows the Mortal Kombat legends or stories, knows that in the time that Shao Kahn is trying to invade Earth, he has already taken another world. All right. This is the reason why Queen Sindel at a time was was, you know, under his, you know, under a spell. Um, because he had already consumed Adenia. He had merged Outworld and Adenia together. And to keep that bond of both realms together, he needed to keep Katana under him. So Katana was made to believe that he is her stepfather and that Melina is her twin sister. When initially he had a human who worked for him named Shang, Shang Tsung actually make a, uh, a clone of Katana. 
using Tarkatan blood, which is the reason why Melina has the mouth like a Tarkatan, like Baraka. You know, she is she is mixed. She is a clone. And that was to throw off Kitana from knowing her past until later on where Kitana discovers her past. And then, you know, just the, the stories goes all over the place. But yeah, so uh, but but even with that, you know, like in Mortal Kombat, um, Mortal Kombat 3, the video game actually talked about because, you know, uh, the first Mortal Kombat, you defeated Shang Tsung. So you protected Earth again. So now they had to, you know, win 10 straight victories after that in order to invade. But then in Mortal Kombat 2, the tournament takes place in Outworld. And then you defeat Shao Kahn. So in Mortal Kombat 3, how does Shao Kahn come to Earth? He uses a rule. He resurrects Sindel, who is the true ruler of Edenia and mother to Katana. And um, by doing so, Sindel is um, reincarnated on Earth. Now, because she is the queen to Shao Kahn through the Elder Gods, it gives Shao Kahn the right to come to Earth to claim his queen. But also allows them to come to Earth. So therefore, when he comes to Earth, he decides to conquer Earth since the portals are open because Sindel was reborn on Earth. Like I said, Mortal Kombat has a really, really weird, uh, interesting plot twist um, that I thought was just kind of crazy. Throughout throughout the entire time, I think one of my favorite Mortal Kombat games happens to be uh, happens to be Mortal Kombat Deception, where they introduce the character Shujinko. And how you know when you play the story mode in Mortal Kombat Deception, you play as Shujinko, and you go through many, many, many years of trying to, you know, do all these uh these things for um, you know, for a uh, a fake avatar named Damashi, who happens to be the Dragon King, um, and then you know at, at the end of the story mode, you find out that you were fooled and that you were not the champion chosen by the elder gods, that Scorpion was actually the champion chosen by the elder gods to defeat the dragon King. And that you have been upon all this time going throughout the realms back and forth, finding all the Kamidogu and then bringing it to the Nexus altar where, um, the dragon King Onaga takes control of all the Kamidogu trying to fuse the Kamidogu into one grand Kamidogu so he can confront the elder gods and destroy them. It's probably one of my favorite Mortal Kombat games. <laughs> I mean, Mortal Kombat does get even crazier and crazier and crazier as it goes on, but uh, I think that was the one that was probably one of my favorites. Can't wait for the new Mortal Kombat movie. Hope it's as good as the old one from the nineties. I think this one is going to, uh, is going to correct a lot of the wrongs from the 1990s version i haven't played mortal kombat since the old console it's been a while but i had a lot of fun playing it yeah it was um i don't know who youtube j is but hi everyone hey how's it going um so here's the thing with the old 1990s version of mortal kombat the movie was okay so, so the movie was okay all right i don't have a problem with it you know the robin show version totally fine entertaining but when you really look at it and how it represented Mortal Kombat. I think a lot of people, they gave a pass to that Mortal Kombat movie because the Street Fighter movie with Jean-Claude Van Damme was just trash. It was a straight garbage. It was poo-poo, doo-doo, and everything else you can call it in the book. I mean, it was horrible. It was horrible. You know, Ryu and Ken. I mean, Ken, I'm sorry to say it, but Ken, played by the dude who played Niklo Velka in Blood In, Blood Out. <laughs> I was like, it's hard to see him away from that role now all of a sudden being Ken. And then, of course, Ken and Ryu being CIA agents. And then when they throw fireballs, all you really got was like a flash of light, like 
that and that was pretty much it like you didn't see anything else like there was no uh there was no good animations you know cgi and everything like that uh regarding um street fighter back in the day you know like if you were to take the old street fighter movie and put it up against the low budget street fighter assassin's fist movie a low budget film completely overshadows a hollywood blockbuster that pretty much was crap and so I think that's the reason why the Mortal Kombat movie starring Robin Show got got a pass, even though both the first and second movie had a lot of things that I can point out that was absolutely wrong about the movies. Um, they gave it a pass because it really kind of did feel like what Mortal Kombat would feel like on the big screen. I think the feeling of that, the the essence of it, they got it right. You know what I mean? The 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 whole combat between fighters the best fighters from all around the world um not so much fatalities um so you know they're trying to keep it at a certain uh rating i think like what mortal kombat was like pg-13 if i'm not mistaken i think it was anyways so they're trying to keep the rating at a certain certain area so we didn't have a lot of uh fatalities um but the characters was all wrong. Okay. Um, first of all, Liu Kang travels to China to get permission from the Order of Light. That right there already was absolutely incorrect for Mortal Kombat because Liu Kang was part of the White Lotus Society. If you remember the first Mortal Kombat movie and the little synopsis of each character it gives in the beginning, because I used to stand around at the arcade when I didn't have change and just like watch it. Like watch the autoplay and then watch each story, each character's um, partial backstory. I know I didn't really have much of a life <laughs> at the age of like, you know, eight, nine. <coughs> but anyways, you would know that Liu Kang was part of the uh, White Lotus Society. So the Order of Light was a wrong reference in that movie. Secondly, they added additional characters such as Liu Kang's brother, Chang. And so Chang Kang and Liu Kang. Because, I mean, they never say his last name because they probably saw how ridiculous it was going to sound. You know, like, oh, your brother Chang Kang fought Shang Tsung and lost. You know, the, people wouldn't have that that sorrow feeling like, oh, gosh, you know, Liu Kang's out for revenge. You know, <laughs> so they just totally just called him Chang and got rid of the last name. And only Liu Kang was referred to as Liu Kang. Um but yeah, so Vengeance Stories, because in the Mortal Kombat lore, uh, Shang Tsung and his people had attacked and killed off most members of the White Lotus Society. So Liu Kang was on a revenge to avenge his brothers, not brother, brothers, because the White Lotus Society sees each other as brothers, just like Shaolin monks, how they see themselves. So, you know, it was probably one of the most craziest things ever that um, that they just decided to roll a whole bunch of members of the White Little Society into one physical person named Chang Kang, and he was killed by Shang Tsung. And that the White Little Society doesn't even exist in the Mortal Kombat movie because they're called the Order of Light. Another thing. Um, Raiden was a trip. Um, first of all, he was played by two different actors. Um, so you had I forgot what's his name, but he played uh, he played as Dunk not Duncan uh, Connor McCloud in um, in Highlander, uh, play in the first Mortal Kombat movie, and then you had the other guy who played the cop in Too Fast Too Furious. Um, they had him play 
in the second movie, Mortal Kombat Annihilation, which I'll get into how horrible that movie was. Um, another thing that kind of annoyed me was the very first time that we seen Scorpion and Sub-Zero on the boat as the boat is making its way to Shang Tsung's Island to commence the tournament. As Sonya Blade is trying to track down um, Kano, and she follows, uh, she goes into the ship to try and find them, she's meted by Shang Tsung, who Shang Tsung has an appetite to want to put Sonya Blade to bed. <laughs> so uh, by some very tasteless flirting from Johnny Tsunami, um, you know, you have, of course, um, Liu Kang and uh, Johnny Cage follow Sonya and then, you know, pretty much, uh, you know, confront Shang Tsung, who then out of nowhere, Sub-Zero and Scorpion come out from behind the door that Shang Tsung appeared out of. And rather than those two trying to rip each other's throats out, they're working together. And the best thing Hollywood can do to explain that was give Shang Tsung a dialogue that says, Scorpion and Sub-Zero, deadliest of enemies, but slaves under my power. First of all, uh, yes, the Lin Kuei was hired in the first Mortal Kombat movie to work on the island throughout the uh, Mortal Kombat tournament and Sub-Zero was entered into it to make sure and kind of help that Outworld wouldn't win. Uh, but of course, we already know that the first Sub-Zero was Bihan, who um, ends up becoming Noob Saibot when he is killed by Scorpion and sent to the Nether Realm. So, Scorpion who gets an interesting backstory after years and years and years of being a popular character in Mortal Kombat. We now know that he has a clan that he belongs to, is the Shinrai Ryu. We know that uh, basically they were a warring clan to the Lin Kuei. Uh, so Lin Kuei, obviously Chinese, and then you have the Shinrai Ryu, Japanese. And they were warring with each other. And it would make sense. But then all of a sudden... You know, the Lin Kuei being from China and the Shirai Ryu being from Japan kind of fell by the wayside. No one really cared where the Lin Kuei came from. They really made it to where there was like two different ninja clans. Both were loyal to the Shogun. Both were fighting for dominancy as being who the Shogun chose to carry out his wishes in feudal Japan. So, yeah, interesting there. But um, and then we get a name for Scorpion, Hanzo Asashi. Now, eh, it just wasn't a good look to have Scorpion and Sub Zero side by side. Everybody was, you know, when people look at Mortal Kombat, they think of all the different rivalries that they, that come from Mortal Kombat. Of course, Sonya Blade and Kano is going to be like on the top there, but then Scorpion and Sub Zero is a very memorable one too. You know, as the protagonist. Liu Kang will always have a rivalry with Shang Tsung. So, yeah, I mean, that was kind of like weird. Um, in Mortal Kombat, Jax Briggs was an older looking person compared to Jack, Jack Briggs in Mortal Kombat Annihilation, who looked 10 years younger. Um, so if you guys watch the original Mortal Kombat movie, right where Sonya sees Kano walking out from that tin shack and boarding Shang Tsung's boat, she runs off to go after him. And then the gentleman who's screaming at her like, yo, Sonya, don't get on that thing. That guy is Major Jack, uh, Jax Briggs. Problem with that is, is he's much older in there because when you go to Mortal Kombat Annihilation, he's younger, like 10 years younger. 
with those cybernetic enhanced arms. So, I mean, that was just trash. Now, let's go to Mortal Kombat Annihilation and talk about all the trash in that one. In Mortal Kombat Annihilation, first of all, Ermac and Noob Saibot are together. Are you flipping kidding me? How the hell does Sub-Zero, the original Sub-Zero, Bihan, die? The name Sub-Zero is then given to his younger brother, Kwai Liang, who was originally codenamed Tundra, takes the moniker Sub-Zero for the Lin Kuei. His brother, Bihan, the original Sub-Zero, goes to the nether realm because that's where we go when we die and he doesn't return as a specter like scorpion he comes back as a wraith and he dons the name noob cybot so how does that go into ermac because if you don't know the history of ermac ermac was created by ed boone and john tobias because in nintendo power magazine there were people writing into the authors of nintendo power and they were obviously referencing a red ninja people kept saying in mortal kombat 2 there is a red ninja um as a matter of fact they were saying that the red ninja existed in mortal kombat 1 that when you faced reptile he wasn't the only secret character in the game that there was another one and then uh some people called him red robin but that sounded so douchey but then you also had a name tossed around called Ermac, which is the reason why in Mortal Kombat 2, when people were like, Ermac is in that game as well, and people really believed Ermac was in Mortal Kombat 2 because there was a point in the living forest where smoke would pop out from the side of the screen and he would say, Ermac who? And that was a reference that, uh, yeah, I mean, John Tobias and Ed Boom were hearing the rumors of this red ninja named ermac so it wasn't until mortal Kombat, well, ultimate mortal Kombat 3 where we really saw a ninja named ermac now the backstory to ermac is that he is oh i think it's like 1000 souls bound together as one being and he was created by shao khan and um that's why you know when ermac spoke in story plots, he always refers himself as we or us and never as I because he is not one being. He's multiple souls bound together. And he was taught the dark arts from Shao Kahn himself and Shang Tsung and also had a gifted ability of telekinetic control. Thus, he was able to pick his opponents up and slam them. Um, <laughs> so that's the character of Ermac. And in Mortal Kombat Annihilation, the movie, they made Noob Saibot and Ermac same characters because at the end where they have the dramatic one-on-one fight. So Katana is going to fight her mom, Sindel. And Jax is going to end up fighting Mataro. Liu Kang's going to fight Shao Kahn. And Sonya had no one to fight. So they were like, yeah, let's just give her Ermac to fight. And then, you know, we're going to play on the fact that Sonya trusts nobody and doesn't ask for help. So we're going to have Ermac spawn noob Cybot and have him beat her up. <laughs> and I was like, wait a minute, that's crap. Plus, you had Rain in the video game. Yeah, in the video game, in Ultimate Mortal Kombat 3, you had Rain. And in the movie, you had Rain also, who happened to be Shao Kahn's general. And he was killed. The same as how they killed uh, Shiva who was, uh, um, what the hell are they called again? <laughs> oh, she was a Shokan. Um, she was a Shokan, or from the Shokan race. And But yeah, she was killed off in Mortal Kombat Annihilation. Okay, give me a moment here. Um, so, you know, with that, I mean, 
they really, really screwed the Mortal Kombat movies. So with this one, um, I feel like that they're going to redeem Mortal Kombat. Um, at least. But I mean, I just don't know who this Cole Young is. Um, and like, you know, like like that website said, you know, it could possibly be Chameleon. They could possibly, you know, be putting some spotlight on Chameleon, but I mean, who knows? We'll we'll, we'll see what happens there. Uh, it's just one of those weird, crazy things. So, uh, hang on, get Twitter open here. Yeah, I hope I hope the Mortal Kombat movie is good. I really do. Just like I hope that the uh, Godzilla vs. Kong is good. Um, I actually have my subscription to HBO Max. That's what I've been binge-watching the uh, Big Bang Theory on. <laughs> so uh, for anyone that's all like, oh, okay, you know, he's watching the Big Bang Theory. Oh, yeah. Been watching that pretty much all day today. I've been watching a lot of episodes the last couple of days. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. We'll see, we'll see what happens with Mortal Kombat. I hope to freaking holy hell that this thing is good. I mean, you can already see in the trailer it's going to be gory. I mean, we got we got some freaking fatalities in this movie. I mean, yeah, they may have changed the story just a little bit. Like Sub-Zero supposedly is responsible for ripping off Jax's arms by freezing both of them and then ripping them off. And then, of course, we see a lot of the fight scenes. We see Kano, who did his infamous fatality where he, like, plunges his hands into your chest and rips your heart out, you know, and... um we seen uh, Sub Zero make a blade of ice and cut off Scorpion's arm, or cut Scorpion with it. And with the blood that spewed out of him, uh, he grabbed the um, what do you call it? He grabbed the uh, frozen blood and stabbed Scorpion. There. How uh, how do you get so many dislikes? Um, well, because I mean, I'm pretty sure this YouTube J was a troll. There's a there's a couple of other trollers that come for some reason. Uh, when Carlos appears in here, trolls appear, and because I'm cool with Carlos, they just thumbs down it, but it's okay, it's all good. Um, it doesn't really bother me, but yeah, that's how I got so many dislikes because <laughs> there wasn't, there's not a lot of people watching. Um, that's crazy though, crazy how that happens because it happened last time when I had Carlos them as guests on here. Like, I had Mike from VTech Reviews, uh, Latrell was in here, and then uh, Carlos and uh, Ray and Lawrence came in here, and then all of a sudden it was just like, oh, yeah, you know, over 20 dislikes. And then that dropped the next day, so I don't know what happened there. I don't know how 20 dislikes just, you know, disappeared and just went down to, like, only nine actual credible dislikes. But, I mean, hey, you know, it is what it is. This, you know, some some dumb shit happening. That's interesting. Let's see how many dislikes I have, because now I'm curious now now that you mentioned that. Uh... Let's go. Do 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 do. And we have 14. 14 dislikes and nine likes. Almost kind of like how it was the last time I live streamed with with guests and stuff like that. So that's kind of crazy. Yeah, 14 dislikes. It's it's totally okay. Big Bang stinks. Ah. <laughs> I mean, everyone has their preference of their TV shows. They like. I like watching Big Bang Theory. I like. I think it's funny and comical. You know, I don't say that the all the you know the scientific stuff and the physicist the the, the, the physicist stuff they talk about is like one hundred percent accurate, but um, it's comical to me, and it kind of plays upon that whole thing. You know, like the nerdy guy 
has a big crush on the most you know considered popular girl and dreams of being with her and actually the nerd gets the girl in this one so so there's those types of things but yeah um let's see uh, i sent out the link to latrell so let's see if he he pops in because if not then i'm going to be hopping off in a little while but yeah um you know for other movies godzilla versus kong uh that's coming up at the end of this month so we're only two weeks away from that i'm actually pretty excited for that um, I know some people are afraid that it's going to be garbage, you know what I mean? Because every time that, you know, and it, it always, it does happen that way sometimes, right? Every time a movie is about to come out and they, they talk about a movie and then the trailer hypes the hell out of it, when we finally get to see the movie, it becomes a disappointment. And I'm total, and I'm just like, what the heck, you know, like that always happens. So I'm hoping that's not the same case with Godzilla versus Kong. Um, we do know enough from like people who, analyzed the trailer and broke it down so we know we know that the main antagonist is mecha godzilla we know that um apex pretty much um you know did something with Ghidorah's head and uh yo what's up b-tech <laughs> hey man what's going on man uh let me know if you want in i'll send you a link i sent the link to latrell I appreciate you smashing the like button. I'm not too concerned, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know, the same shit happened as last time. <laughs> it's all good. Um, but yeah, you know, so like, yeah, we know that um, that Apex has Ghidorah's brain. We know that more than likely they use Ghidorah's brain within Mechagodzilla to try to control it. And um, yeah, we know that they took Kong off of Skull Island and that... That and a long feeling Ghidorah's brainwaves is what basically pisses off Godzilla. Waiting on a friend to come by uh, to uh, pick up some stuff. But if you're streaming after, I'll try to hop on. Okay. I don't know how long I'm going to be on for because I've been on for about an hour already. I may hop off here soon. I don't know. Um, Kind of running on just like whatever. So we'll see what happens. Uh, The trial was like, you know, he'll probably pop in. Send him the link, but I haven't seen anything yet, so he hasn't said anything else. I don't know if he's like getting ready, like he's getting if he's like getting things set up because he did say something on Twitter that I wanted to have an interaction with him about to kind of talk about that I'm air out grievances or whatever. So we'll see. But yeah, I mean, so there's that movie. Um, it, it, isn't the other Fast and the Furious movie supposed to come out this year too? Because I know John Wick four supposed to come i know they scrapped they didn't scrap it but they pushed the date back on the matrix 4 but i know john wick 4 is coming and that's the one i care more about than the matrix 4 i mean i like the matrix but i'm not too concerned with uh the matrix 4 because i just the you know it, to me when it comes to a movie like the matrix right so you have the matrix one two and three and then the third one neo dies right like his, his actual physical human body dies in the in the matrix three right because he connects with the source he fights agent smith in the matrix he realizes the only way to beat agent smith is to allow himself to be copied in the matrix to smith allowing the source direct access to smith allowing the source to destroy him and thus doing so it it killed it killed neo in the process so he's dead so i'm just not entirely sure how they're going to revive the matrix and say that the one is back it's just like if somebody was to start writing new death note stories 
to me, that wouldn't work because the key characters that really built the series Death Note are dead. L died halfway through trying to find out who Kira was. And then Nier solves who Kira is and Light dies. Mello, who was in competition with Nier to try to become the successor to L, dies getting a major clue to help Nier find out that Light was in fact Kira. So like, if someone wants to start writing Death Note again, it just wouldn't appeal to me. You know, a lot of people are like, damn, you know, they only had 13, well, 12 books technically, but 13 because the 13th book kind of recapped the entire thing. It was told through L's um, recollection of it. Um, there's like 13 books total. So they were really good. I, you know, this is one of those things where it's like, when you try to revive something that was too damn good, <laughs> you had people craving it, but you were just like, you stopped it there. Sometimes it's just not good to try and revive it. And I think, and I feel like the Matrix 4 is going to kind of do that because we were okay with Neo dying at the end. I mean, Trinity died. You know, Morpheus lived along with everybody else in, uh, in Scion. But Trinity died and Neo died. So why revive him? I mean, I get it. People will be like, well, the reason why they're going to revive him is because the one always comes back that Neo in the Matrix was the sixth version of the one. Yeah, I get it. You know what? Like, they've they've run the simulation all over again every time. You know, they got humans. Humans are set free. Humans, you know, live in Scion. And the machines try to destroy Scion. And then there's the one. And the one does a calculated decision that decides to fade a Scion. And Scion gets destroyed. We know this already. We know that. This version that we saw of the Matrix was totally different because Neo was responding and acting in a very different way. We've heard so many different rumors and theories that technically Neo was never the one. The one is actually Smith. Agent Smith is actually the one. And, um, you know, but I mean, that I'll probably go into that when I go over the Matrix and talk about the Matrix and everything like that. Because trust me, I'm a huge geek on the Matrix. So it's not that I hate on the movie. I just don't see a reason for them to have to make a fourth one and bring Keanu Reeves back in it and bring back Neo. Like, is this supposed to be like a what if? What if, you know, Agent Smith didn't copy himself? What if things turned to a different way and it was just a one-on-one fight with Smith and Smith didn't copy himself to every human that was asleep inside the Matrix? Because I think one of the things that people kind of forgot about the Matrix was that the uh, the whole thing with um, what do you call it? The whole thing with uh, with Agent Smith copying himself to everybody that's in the Matrix, right? You got to remember, humans were used like batteries; they were used to power the machines, and you have a whole crop field of humans being grown to be used as batteries. So they're put in this this deep sleep they never awaken from because their conscious mind is warped to believing that they're actually in the real world when they're in a computerized digital software world called the matrix where they won't wake up from it because it seems all too real. And so their life kind of goes, you know, it goes forward the way that they think. Cause remember when they explained to the matrix, they're like the first matrix that was built, it was built to be for what every human desired, but that didn't work because it was too perfect for everybody, so people were still waking up from it. And uh, they had to find a way to balance it out. So they had to replicate the actual world in a digital world 
to make people feel like that they are awake in the original world. So there was no need for them to say, God, man, this has to be a nightmare I can wake up from. And then their body actually start waking up from it consciously. Right. That was the whole point about it. So if you have Agent Smith who actually copied himself to every person in the Matrix, he has copied himself to every human in the crop field, which literally means that Agent Smith controls the power to the machine world, machine city and the source and can initially shut it all down. Right. By killing all the humans in the crop field and killing all the humans that's currently attached to machines, powering the machines. There's nothing to power them. Machines down. Done. No power to machine to, to the machine city. No power to the mainframe that holds the uh, the AI that's running everything. Done. So that's the reason why that they had to take Smith out. That's the absolute reason why they had to do it. Um. But beyond that, I mean, you know, I just don't see a reason for the Matrix Four. I won't ever see a reason to it. Um, and I just think that it's a. Uh, it's just one of those things that's kind of crazy. Um, let's deal with this real quick. So, you know, with that being said, no reason for the Matrix 4, but John Wick 4, I definitely want to see only because um, I want to know what is going to happen. You know, I want to know what is going to happen with, you know, the Southern um area of the city versus the continental i want to know if this was all a ruse all along if um what's his name uh god i can't remember the character's name now but if that one guy actually betrayed john wick when he was able to get the uh the high table to reinstate you know the hotel and to allow him to run the hotel you know all those things because remember john wick was like as soon as soon as the deal was made, uh, Winston, Winston unloaded his clip on John Wick and John fell from the top of the Continental, hitting countless things on the way down, which no real human would survive from that height. <laughs> and he is then brought, um, his, I can't remember the character's name because it's been a while since I watched the movies, but he is then brought to that one dude where it shows that he's all mangled up, right? I mean, first he cut off his um his uh left uh ring finger and uh gave it to get the um to get all the uh, assassins off of him you know since he met with the with the man who runs the the high table uh he gives as an offering and pledges himself and of course the man tells him that you know they'll accept him back in all he has to do is kill winston and he chooses his friend over them so he ends up protecting Winston and protecting him in the Continental along with um, the gentleman who runs the front. Um, yeah, so then in return, Winston turns on him after he makes a deal with the Judicator to reinstate the Continental. He shoots John Wick. John falls out the building. Yeah. So that's what I'm waiting to see with uh, John Wick 4. As far as the next, uh, the, um, the next Fast and the Furious movie, I'm pretty much over Fast and the Furious. I think they've gone way, way, way too far with it, right? Because if you watch the original Fast, uh, the Fast and the Furious, you know, it was just a guy who was heavy into street racing that had a crew that was ripping off all these trucks that were traveling in and out of California. 
and they were ripping them off for electronic devices to make money. And that's what it was. Common thievery by street racers. Um, part two, so Too Fast, Too Furious was kind of like, okay. So you had a cop who was good undercover, who was on the run because rather than, you know, rather than going in, uh, turning in uh, Dominic Toretto, he helped him escape on that bond that they had developed together. So he had gone rogue. And so he fled to Miami where he took all the abilities that he learned from Toretto and his gang and applied it to the streets there being the dominant racer in the Miami area, along with his, you know, R34 skyline, which is, that one was pretty badass. So yeah, you had, you had that and he gets recruited to, you know, become a driver for a cartel drug runner, you know, um, to help take him down. All right. Starting to kind of like, Get up there, you know, and then they flip it to Tokyo, you know, Tokyo Drift, which kind of like brought, you know, brought drifting to the world of those people in in, in the car scene. And that was even a good thing, too, because it kind of showed a little bit about, you know, the Asian culture and stuff like that, the way things go out there. World's really a good one. And of course, it introduced Han. And then in part four, they got to show Dominic Toretto and Letty on the run. And so they're in the Dominican Republic and they're ripping off gasoline trucks, you know, to fuel street racing and make money that way. And, you know, Han and a few other people were brought in and then it goes, it just keeps going and going. And it wasn't until the most recent Fast and the Furious series movies is where they just kind of really went out there. Like now all of a sudden there's, there's, there's like ghost agencies, you know, um, there's espionage, spies, world government, surveillance, and all these things just brought in. It just really just took the Fast and the Furious from, you know, focusing on cars to focusing on spies and stuff like James Bond. I mean, they, they tried to make references to cars by having specific type cars that are very popular in the car scene appear in those movies, but not, it's not so much. Like you look at the first movie, the first movie was all about cars. You had Dominic Toretto, this team. I mean, Dominic Toretto, he had he had um, an RX-7. Um, what's his name? Uh, let's see. Another, I think Letty had an S-14 Sylvia. You had um, Jesse. He had the Jetta. And what was that other guy's name? Uh, Leon. Leon had an R-33 Skyline. I forgot what Vince had. But... You know, they had imports, but then Dom also had the Charger, you know. Um, of course, you have Brian who started off with a, you know, police-issued um, Eclipse GT. And, of course, that gets destroyed by, you know, um, Johnny Tran and his cousin. And then uh, then he gets the, uh, the um, Supra. And that thing becomes a piece of work. So, I mean, it was always focused about the cars. Cars, cars, cars. And then the car started to get pushed to the side, like the redheaded stepchild. And <laughs> then it became about spies and espionage. So this next Fast and the Furious movie, I'm not even too sure how I feel about that. Because one, it has, it's starring John Cena. And John Cena, is, uh, he's a Toretto. And he's supposed to be Dominic's brother. Younger? I don't freaking know. Younger or older? But apparently, um, you know, John Cena is supposed to be like, you know, this, like this world spy or whatever, whatnot. That's like rogue. Kind of like, you know, um, Jason Statham's character as, um, 
I was named not Robert Shaw, but Decker Shaw, the Shaw brothers. You know, you got more spies and more spies and God's eye and more spies. And I mean, first of all, like the scenario that people are putting out there that the reason why they brought John Cena into the Fast and the Furious franchise to play as Dominic Toretto's brother is because, of course, we all know the infamous beef between Dwayne Johnson and Vin Diesel. And that, uh, you know, there's there's some bad blood with them on the set. Jason Statham also felt the same way towards Vin Diesel. So both of them were off the projects and they had their own spinoff called Hobbs and Shaw. And so what better way to make a statement to The Rock than bring bringing the guy who's talked shit about The Rock in WWE. And that's John Cena. <laughs> so even if they were to, like, unite all these characters back together in, like, one epic film, you would have... John Cena and The Rock have to be in the same movie along with Jason Statham and the whole cast of the Furious team is just and there's like more just shit on shit on shit with, with Fast and the Furious so it's just like I'm completely over Fast and the Furious just completely gone beyond it because it's like what's the, what's the point to it what is the point to to this anymore it's not about the car scenes anymore because that's initially what the Fast and the Furious was, was bringing highlight to the car scene. I mean, I swear, the day Fast and the Furious hit theaters, not even a month after in the state of Hawaii, everybody was getting import tuners. Everybody was putting body kits on it. Everybody was building their own car clubs. There was car clubs left and fucking right everywhere. You couldn't go nowhere in Hawaii without a car club being there. You know, you had, even some of my friends had, um, they had a car club and I used to hang around with them and chill with them. And it's, uh, was it DOD was the moniker of the crew. Um, was it, uh, destruction, the destruction of dreams or destroy or yeah. Destruction of dreams is what it was called. And, um, I mean, it didn't really like go really big or anything like that, but I mean, everybody was in it. You know what I mean? You had, was it a couple of like two of my friends, they had, um, they had Dodge Neons. They were kind of building them up. They were trying to do conversions, right? Like my friend had this idea of taking his uh, his four-door um, Dodge Neon uh, ACR, and he wanted to uh, put the uh, R34 um, lights in the back. Like he wanted to custom make it to fit it in there. He wanted to really kind of replicate like a miniature four-door Nissan Skyline, but it was actually a Dodge Neon. That was going to be very hard to pull off, obviously having to get not only just the body kit, you know, but you really have to do some like actual work to the body itself, hood wise, you know, um, side panels, everything like that. You would really have to just get in there. So, but, I mean, I know that was his dream. He wanted to do that. It was a pretty cool, cool idea. Um, you know, it was just, I mean, even one of the most legendary uh, groups in Hawaii known as Team Rice. Team Rice was freaking huge, huge. But, I mean, all these car clubs came out right when Fast and the Furious came out because at that time, that was the next evolutionary fad that was to become popular, right? Like you had, you know, in the in the late 90s, you had the gangster mentality and the gangster this and gangster that, right? Towards, you know, the uh, the end of the 90s, it was about, you know, action sports, so snowboarding, skateboarding. Skateboarding got freaking huge. Uh, but skateboarding was really what was really a, but you also had like snowboarding and surfing and things like that, that was coming into play. Action sports was just getting really, really up there. And then in the early two thousands came the car scene. 
So Fast and the Furious moved away with that. So that's why I just like I don't have the interest with this next movie because I already saw the last one and found out that okay, you know what? Um Dominic Toretto has a kid. That's why he turned on his team because he was trying to save his son's life. He was trying to save that girl's life. They were the one from Brazil that he kind of like made a life with until he found out that Letty was still alive. And then he left her to go find Letty and reunite with Letty and then found out that the lady that he left was pregnant with his kid. So now he has a kid. Then he named his kid Brian at the end. I figured, okay, that's like a pretty cool way to just close it out. Just leave it out. Leave it there. But um, yeah, it was just kind of crazy. Well, everyone, I'm getting ready for bed. See you again on the next live stream. Have a great night, everyone. All right, Gene, have a great night yourself. Actually, it looks like that Latrell's not actually joining me because he hasn't popped in. I sent him the link. He hasn't popped in at all. So I'm going to go ahead and cut it out right now. We're about an hour and a half into this live stream. And this was just one of those chill live streams or whatever. But if you guys missed it, go ahead and check out the beginning of it. I'll re, I'll, you know, relay the whole, the whole thing again. Uh, we initially talked about uh, Samsung's announcement that this year there won't be a Galaxy Note. So um, you guys can listen to my thoughts on that. You can also, um, and then we, we kind of go into... Uh, you know, Apple and Samsung and why no charges in the box and is it really eco-friendly and all this other stuff. Kind of touch base with that. So you definitely want to catch the replay, catch the beginning of it to hear what I had to say on those subjects. And then, of course, what we what y'all heard me talk about with movies. So uh, that's pretty much it, guys. Thank you so much for coming in and hanging out with me. Thank you for those people who left the likes. Again, shout out to those that left the dislike, but okay, whatever. It is what it is. Um, but I appreciate you guys for that because either way, whether you thumbs up or thumbs down on the video, it, it shows engagement and so it helps circulate it. So that's why it doesn't really bother me. And I've been doing YouTube for a long time. So I kind of learned that about them with their seminars that you get through YouTube studios. You kind of learn about it. So yeah, you know, like you know, thumbs up or thumbs down, you know, people think with a bunch of thumbs down, it's going to like totally tank you, but it actually doesn't. And that's the craziest thing about YouTube. It actually doesn't. It shows engagement. So it pushes it to be seen by more. <laughs> so I'm just like, okay, whatever. It is what it is. Um, but again, thank you so much for those thumbs ups or thumbs downs. I really appreciate it. You guys are awesome. You guys are clutch. Uh, thanks for hanging out with me this evening and making time go by. And um, yeah, I'll see you guys tomorrow. Until tomorrow, y'all take it easy. Peace.